1: Welcome to Main Street Vegan, a lively hour with host Victoria Moran, best-selling author and the OG of vegan living for over 40 years. She and her guests have got the goods to help you look and feel amazing, make a difference for animals, and discover the soulful side of the vegan journey. Now, here's Victoria.
2: How healthy are you? And what do you think about the question? Does it feel almost like some kind of comparison, like, oh my gosh, I'm not healthy enough. And there's so many other things I'm not enough of either. Or is it an interesting idea of, well, gosh, I feel pretty healthy and it feels good. I wonder if I could get healthier. Well, gosh, I wonder that too. And today, maybe we'll find out. Hi everybody, it's Victoria and I am just so grateful that you are spending this time listening to the Main Street Vegan Podcast and I am counting those episodes. This is number 477 and we did take a break but now we're back doing what everybody loves best and what we seem to know how to do best. And it's kind of a funny thing, because that break has a little something to do with why on my show today, I have the co-author of my current favorite healthy living book. Well, why don't I have the other author? Well, that's because if you've stuck with me and been following along, you know that for just over a year... I did a show called Meetings with Remarkable Women, and we were going to have this guest on that show because she certainly fits that bill, but we had to say, no, your co-author and husband can't come. Well, he actually could have now that we're back to Main Street Vegan, but I think we are going to have an amazing time with Alona Pulde, M.D., Co author with her husband, who is not here, Matthew Letterman, MD. Yes, those are familiar names because you know them from Forks Over Knives. That documentary changed the lives and continues to change the lives of so many people, along with best selling books that followed, written actually by this same amazing couple. And their latest book is called Wellness to Wonderful Nine Pillars for Living Healthier, Longer, and with greater joy, you gotta love a title like that. Welcome, Dr. Alona Polday.
3: What an introduction! Thank you so much. It's such a pleasure to be here.
2: Oh, thank you for being here. And I have to say, just this title—it's so enlivening because I think most people think that wellness and health still has to do with sickness and health care. And so the idea that, that feeling good is just wonderful, I think is a message that really needs to get out there and how lovely that you have done it. So let's back up a bit and find out a little bit about you. Why out of all the millions of medical doctors in the world, are you one of the growing but still relatively few plant-based physicians?
3: Yeah. So why did I travel down this path? Um, You know, I'd always resonated with a holistic lifestyle. I actually did uh, my training in traditional Chinese medicine before my medical, Western medical degree. Um, And my passion was really integrating Eastern and Western medicine together. And Eastern medicine has a very holistic approach to health. Um, How I got into plant-based nutrition though, was a sadder story. Um, in my second year of medical school, my father, who was fifty five at the time, passed away suddenly from uh, a heart attack. and he was on a Western diet, uh, on a, sorry, on a Mediterranean diet. Um, he had a physical job which kept him active for much of the day. He was, I would say, slightly overweight um, with some high cholesterol, but on a statin. So he was doing everything that Western medicine would prescribe, you know, and, and working on the weight loss, he'd, uh, switched from beef to chicken and Turkey and, you know, lean meats and, um, and, And still that happened. And for me, I had the Eastern background already. I was in my second year of medical school and I couldn't wrap my head around how that could have happened. And I was so personally devastated and also professionally devastated that I almost stepped away from medicine completely. But um, lucky for me on many fronts, um, I met Matt. Matt. At my husband and my partner in work and home, and he was already traveling down the nutrition and lifestyle path. And he introduced me to Dr. McDougall and Dr. Ornish's work, and Esselstyn and Campbell and Furman, and um, and we spent a lot of time working with Dr. McDougall in Santa Rosa, California, in immersion programs and. In 10 days on a plant-based diet, and I'm preaching to the choir possibly, but in 10 days on a plant-based diet, eating three buffet style meals, I saw results that I could not see in conventional medicine over a lifetime working with a patient. And so it wasn't, it was a no brainer what I wanted to do for the rest of my life and how I planned to practice
2: that's really cool. <laughs> I love it. I always think that the great question of our time is why do some people see this and get it and other people see it and say, oh, it would just be too hard.
3: Yeah. You know, I I don't know that I can answer that question for other people. I, I don't know if it has, you know, there's so many theories around growth mindset, fixed mindset, how we see the world, how we see ourselves, does this information, even though it's great, actually resonate with me? And I think that's one of the reasons that we were excited to write wellness to wonderful is because I think a lot of people get excited by the information of a plant, you know, around a plant-based diet, the health benefits around a plant-based diet. And then it's the notion of, well, how do I actually implement this? How do I make this a lifestyle, not a fad diet? And what, what happens is we lose sight of all of the things that inhibit us from being able to sus- to make maintain and sustain those changes.
2: Yeah, I think you've got it. So what do we do? <laughs> how do we change that or how do we encourage people to just get up the next day and do it over again? Yeah, I think
3: I think before I I ask people to move forward, I really have them take a step back. The book Wellness to Wonderful starts our nine pillars really start with the self and there's an important reason for that. I think so many of us have um, been conditioned to disconnect from ourselves, from our authenticity, from our values, from our truth. And so what happens is we are governed by external validation you know, we grow up and we want our, our parents' approval. Then we want our teacher's approval. Then we want our boss's approval. And we're constantly in this world of extrinsic rewards, but never really check, checking in intrinsically what works for me. What is it that I want to do? What resonates with me? And then how do I do that? And so that's where we start at We Heal is really focusing on Who are you? And where do you want to go? And then how do we get you there? You know, there's so so many of us, um, a lot of our work is based on a concept called nonviolent communication. Are you familiar with that?
2: I am a little bit, yes, but I'd love okay. for you to describe it to people so we all know what you're talking about.
3: Yeah. So, nonviolent commu- communication or compassionate communication is a, a way to relate to yourself and others uh, based on a needs based consciousness. And what that means is that we connect to Uh, universal needs. We all have them. And how we can identify them is through our feelings. So when we have pleasant feelings or pleasant emotions, our needs are getting met. When we have unpleasant emotions, it's an opportunity to investigate what needs are not being met at the moment. And when I talk about needs, I'm talking about food, you know, nutrition, shelter, safety, intimacy, creativity, discovery, partnership, friendship. It's a pretty exhaustive list, but we all share those needs. And so in that, we all have a need, an underlying need for health. What sabotages it sometimes is we also have a need for pleasure. And for a lot of people, it's hard to merge the two. And then on top of that, we have pain, we have stresses at work, we have stresses with our family, we have financial stresses. People are living in what we call survival mode, where they're constantly in fight or flight. And so in that fight or flight state, we are not prompt to rest, to digest, to take care of our health. Instead, we're reactively trying to avoid pain. And a lot of us do that through food, through distractions like television or devices, um, addictions. So stepping back and reconnecting to our authenticity, reconnecting to our needs, understanding how we can use our feelings to give us
2: important messages is a really great start. Well, you do such a brilliant job with this throughout the book. And it's so interesting that this was the thing that we're talking about first, because as I was reading the book and pulling out some little pieces to put on post-it notes, one of the, the statements that really blew me away, this is in your chapter on activity, It says, forcing ourselves to exercise requires that we suppress our dislike or dread for what we are about to do, and requires some level of mobilization to overcome that dread. This all will be interpreted by the body as a type of threat in which we have to confront something we don't want to do, or else there will be harmful consequences. Now, you don't go on to say, therefore, don't make yourself exercise, (laughs) Don't worry about that. Uh, You know, you come up with a a lot of wonderful suggestions to make that part of life. But I don't think I have ever read anybody saying that when you force yourself to do something that you don't want to do, it can be counterproductive.
3: Absolutely. So we are hardwired to see the world as dangerous. And there's A really important reason for that our ancestors needed to see the tiger coming and needed to know that when i see that tiger coming i need to run i don't need to start thinking well does it look hungry does it want to play you know so we're we're primed to when we see danger one we're scanning for it when we see it we go right into fight or flight and then What has happened now is that the psychological stresses, the mental and emotional stresses that we feel have the same impact as that physical stress of actually seeing the tiger. So our ancestors would see the tiger, they'd run, they'd find shelter, they'd have time to recoup from that stress. And so their body would kind of go in ebbs and flows. Where we are right now is we don't just need to see the tiger. We can just think of the tiger or anticipate having to think of the tiger, and it stimulates that same response. So we are constantly on high alert. We don't have that opportunity to come back down, relax, and heal. And so we're primed for seeking danger, and we're primed for a state of mobilization, and that is fight. Flight or freeze. We don't have in that state, like I mentioned before, we don't have the luxury of resting, of digesting, of taking care of our health, or being expansive on our strategies for how we can get things done. And exercise is a perfect example. We don't need to formally exercise. In fact, much of the world doesn't formally exercise, instead, they move. They move throughout the day and movement is a need. That's a universal need. We here in the United States have translated that. And the strategy is formal exercise. We go to the gym once a week or to pil- or for an hour a day or a half an hour a day, or we go for a run or we go to Pilates or we go to yoga. But if we're not enjoying it, then although it still gives us health benefits, it, does, it doesn't give us the benefits that we can derive if we actually step back and say, hey, I have a need for movement. I wanna meet my need for health, but I don't enjoy going to the gym. So how about I call a friend and we go shoot hoops at the park or play a game of tennis or go swimming in a pool? You see what I'm saying there are a lot of different ways that we can meet those needs in a in in a more expansive way.
2: Yes, and I think there's so much to just knowing oneself because I know so many people who want nothing more than to just be in the country, be in the woods and walk in that beautiful environment which I can certainly appreciate. But if I had my druthers, I'd be walking in Manhattan. So I think we all just need to appreciate that it doesn't matter how you do it as long as it suits you and you get it done.
3: Yes, yes. And the same with nutrition, right? So in the plant-based world, And with whole food plant-based options, there are so many of them. We're limited really by our imagination these days. I mean, there's so many recipes, delicious and nutritious and healthy recipes online um, for anybody who wants to follow a whole food plant-based diet. What happens sometimes is we get stuck on what that could look like. You know, I don't know, five 10 years back, we had a whole kale thing. Kale was the <laughs> healthiest food that you could eat. Everybody needed to eat kale, but not everybody likes kale. And so then we start feeling like fa- failures. Either I have to force myself to eat kale, but I don't like it, or I'm not eating kale and then I'm not healthy. And if I'm not healthy, I might as well not be healthy all the way, you know, versus no. No. You can eat broccoli, eat cauliflower, eat cabbage, eat bok choy. You know, there's so many different choices. You don't like this one dish? Okay, pick another one. I think a lot of times we forget that we have options. and, And that happens too when we get into that state of mobilization. We forget that we have options we become restricted and constricted in how we view the world. We either have to fight, flee, or
0: freeze.
2: Hmm. The main thing, and let me know how you see this as as an individual, as a mom, and, and as a clinician, that if we didn't have to go out into the outer world, this would be the easiest thing on earth. I mean, the food is easy to fix. The recipes always turn out it's just simple and wonderful. But the world is not fully set up for us yet. I was traveling this weekend so much better than it was years ago. I'm having my 40th vegan anniversary next month. So I do remember when it was really hard. You basically <laughs> had to travel with a lunchbox. But it's still not the way the culture is set up. And I think it's hard enough when people are just avoiding animal products. And then when we say, and bring in all these wonderful, colorful plant foods and stay away from or or cut back a lot on sugar, oil, and salt. I think sometimes people just throw up their hands and and head for McDonald's. So how can we make it kind of easy does it, but do it?
3: Yeah. You know, I always look at it as a continuum. I think anything, you know, even our nine pillars, it's always a continuum. And McDonald's to me is on one end. And, you know, getting all of that stuff that you mentioned, the no oil, low salt, low sugar, whole plant based, lots of fruits and vegetables is on the other end. But in between, there's a lot of room. And so, again, so it becomes the question of what do I want to do? What's important to me? And then how do I do that to the best of my ability? And so maybe most of the time, you know, we're living kind of in the area where we are doing the optimal or close to the optimal whole food plant-based diet. And then sometimes, you know, we're traveling, or it's holidays, or and we do our best. Or even sometimes we just choose to indulge. And we mindfully consciously are choosing to do that, not as a byproduct of numbness or um mobilization. Does that
2: make sense? it It does. And I think it makes so much sense that these pillars all tie into one another, because if you've got enough of the other stuff going on from these other pillars, it's gonna support your nutritional choices. So let's just read the pillars quickly. Obviously, nutrition is one of them, but it's number two, as you said. The first one is self, which is brilliant. Then we have activity, play, sleep, connection, the missing key to optimal health, family and friends, work, spirituality, and the natural world. Oh my gosh, that's nine podcasts. But since we only have one, (laughs) (laughs) let me ask you about a couple of these that are particularly intriguing to me. So let's start with the one that actually gets a subtitle, the one about connection. How is that the missing key?
3: Yeah. So connection is both connection to ourselves and connection to the external world which are the pillars that you mentioned, family and friends, work, spirituality, and the natural world. And connection is a really big piece to addressing feelings and needs. And having connection, not just to self, but really connecting authentically is one of the contributors to feeling safe. It's one of the contributors to taking us out of fight, flight, or freeze And allowing us to be able to have that opportunity to rest and digest and thrive, the opportunity to be expansive, the opportunity to slow down. So that's connection to self. Connection to others is is and continues to be scientifically shown to be super impactful in our health and well-being it's not just a nice to have like having friends and this is not having Facebook or Instagram friends this is friends that you can have authentic vulnerable relationships with ideally in person and what they've shown is when we can do that markers health markers that we know blood sugars, blood pressure, heart disease, They improve when we are connected to others. And that goes back to the way that we're primed too. We are social creatures. We're not meant to be isolated and disconnected from others. And I think we saw a lot of that um, arise out of the pandemic. You know, people were so isolated and so disconnected. And there were a lot, there was a huge increase in mental health, concerns. There was a huge increase in health concerns. Um, And so it's not something to be taken lightly. And therefore, we really named it as a key ingredient to
2: health and wellness. Well, let us celebrate some connection then.
0: Learn more today at eomega.org slash thrive. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, Only in Theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news?
2: What a pleasure to be chatting with Dr. Alona Polday about some of the ideas in her and her husband's wonderful new book, Wellness to Wonderful. This is. Um, Really, really some terrific information. I highly recommend the book. And here in the middle of the show, I like to sometimes share what's going on in the world of Main Street Vegan. And I am going to let you in once again. I think you've probably heard this before about a wonderful retreat happening in the Midwest. It's happening just outside Kansas City, Missouri. Coming up, if you're listening when this episode is new, I get to say this month. Uh, So coming up um, October 19th, 2023, it is the third annual Whole Planet Spirituality Retreat. Ah, the spirituality, that's one of of the Mm -hmm. pillars of health and wellness to wonderful. So the special guest at this year's retreat will be Renee King Sonnen of Rowdy Girl Sanctuary. That's the Texas sanctuary that used to be a cattle ranch, actually Renee's husband's cattle ranch. So that's a good story. So if you are in that part of the world and want to give yourself a really blissful four days in the idyllic environment of Unity Village, Missouri, it's been a, a glorious retreat center since the late 1920s. The architecture is exquisite. The grounds are exquisite. You'll have fun. And I'll be there. I'm going to be speaking about Peace Pilgrim. I'm going to be teaching yoga every morning. We'll have fun. You can check that out at the, you got to put in the the, org slash retreat. The spiritual forum. Forum slash retreat. Do take a look. And also take a look at the book we're talking about today, Wellness to Wonderful, by Dr. Alona Pulday and Dr. Matthew Letterman. So, Dr. Pulday, let's get back to these really brilliant pillars. So, um, we've been through them quickly, but let's just pull out one. How about natural world? I mentioned earlier, I'm kind of a city person. I might be a little bit natural world deprived. What does the natural world do for us?
3: Yeah. Connection to the natural world. You know, all of these pillars, like you said, are related. And the idea behind that is an interconnectedness where they all contribute to one another. Being out in the natural world is something that we did regularly until recently. It was kind of a natural thing that we did. And now, you know, in this survival mode where we're burning the candle at both ends, we're indoors a lot to most of the day, whether we're in our car, in our house, in our office, we lose connection to this really important part of our lives, which is the world around us. Which is getting out, not to mention, you know, getting out in the sun and getting some vitamin D, getting out and breathing fresh air, getting out and connecting to a world that is greater than ourselves. And connecting to the natural world, whether that's walking in Manhattan or, you know, going on a forest walk, is really important for, again, taking us out of survival mode, connecting us back to a sense of safety, that we are not alone. And that's a really important piece for our health and well-being.
2: I can see that. There was a quotation in your book. I was just trying to find it, but maybe you have it committed to memory about burning the candle at both ends. Do you remember it? I don't remember the quote. It was something about burning the candle at both ends means that you just finish so quickly.
3: Oh, yes. Yes. You get to the end really quickly, right? Yeah.
2: (laughs) Oh. Yeah. And it's funny. I think with maturity, sometimes we get a little bit more appreciation for living slowly, being in the moment. I remember as a young person, just when I first heard that poem about burning candle at both ends, and it's not going to last the night that it gives a lovely light. I'm thinking, yes, yes, where <laughs> are the matches? But now, <laughs> yeah, it's a little bit different. So in the food world, I know that everybody inter- listening is really interested in food. What in your experience practicing medicine as a plant-based physician for several years now what are really the most important aspects of the food that we choose?
3: For me, it comes down to simplifying. Whenever I can, I try and simplify. And so rather than picking particular foods, I like to focus on food groups. And so if you keep in mind the five main food groups that i believe are the most health promoting which are your fruits your vegetables your including your starchy vegetables your whole grains legumes and some nuts and seeds you can eat those individually you can combine them in delicious and nutritious recipes that you know can satisfy pretty much any palate But it really comes down to those. And if you have those in mind as you're picking food, as you're creating dishes, and also, like I said before, if there's a particular vegetable you don't like, you don't have to force yourself to eat it. Pick a different one you know, if you don't like certain fruits or certain whole grains, or if you don't want to eat grains, eat starchy vegetables, you know, or legumes, like there's so many things that you can do in those combinations that I think anyone can find their success, you know, with the the, the many combinations that exist.
2: It's so true. And it's an ongoing adventure. I had something happen today. I can't believe it. I'm almost 40 years in. And I've always said the only whole plant food I truly cannot abide is beets. Ew, didn't like them. cooked, didn't like them. pickled, didn't like them any old way. And today I was at a salad bar and I thought, oh, get the beets. There's probably something in there you could use. They were raw and they were so good. I don't think I have ever had a raw beet before. So, you know, <laughs> There's so much of this food and it can be so surprising. Can, can I just appreciate that? I love that approach, right? Because that's a positive approach
3: about finding this lifestyle adventurous, getting curious around it. How do I make it work? And how do I make it fun and enticing and appetizing and healthy? And it can be a really fun adventure.
2: There's something about seeing life that way. And you also say this in your book. I should have read your book a month ago because I read it in the past 24 hours. So I feel like I'm just reporting (laughs) it, but it's just so excellent. But you have a quotation from Einstein that it's very important to decide whether we are living in a friendly or an unfriendly universe. And I think particularly in a time like we're in at, at the present, it just seems a little unfriendlier than maybe it did at, at times in the past. And we just really have to find that friendliness within ourselves and with the people close to us, and and with a kind of lifestyle that we can have fun with.
3: Yes. And I think having compassion for ourselves as to why that happened. There's a reason why the world seems a little more unfriendly now. What happens when we go into that survival state of fight, fight or freeze is the world gets smaller. It becomes we have what's called a scarcity versus an abundant mentality. And in that scarcity mentality, it really becomes about me and those in my very inner circle at best. But there's yes. no reach outside of that. And so we're stepping out of a time when we have had that scarcity mentality. And there's an opportunity to mindfully allow for abundance. And one of the things, the benefits of that whole connection piece of the nine pillars, the friends, the family, the work, which is about meaning and purpose, the spirituality, which is and natural world, both about interdependence and a world bigger than ourselves is to reconnect us to that
2: abundance. That's so cool. I'm just hearing you as maybe some listener is hearing, though, who might be saying, in my life, these things conflict. There's my whole food, plant based diet, and then there's friends and family. My friends and family do not understand the way they eat, and they make it hard for me. So, what do you say to people like that? Yeah, two
3: things. One, again, I really resonate with finding compassion (laughs) and a lot of things in life and finding compassion for ourselves. That's hard. It's hard to um, be in situations or environments where we don't feel supported. At the same time, I think there is invitation to get creative around how to be supported. So one of the really valuable things about nonviolent or compassionate communication is in identifying our needs and connecting to our needs. That's one piece of it. The other piece of it is learning to deliver those needs in a way that also takes another person into consideration such that they receive the information almost like a gift, you're really working to lower the reactivity and increase the recipe res- the reception of the message that you're sending. And in the sense of food and how we choose to live our lives, you know, Dr. Doug Lyle has a really great approach around this seems to be working for me. This really is working for me and focusing on all of the benefits that you're getting outside of, because a lot of times it it's a reflection of how people feel about themselves when you're thriving when you feel really great about your diet when you're making certain choices that other people are not ready to make a lot of times it's their judgment of themselves that then projects outward as a judgment against you and if we can connect to that you know where we're we're kind of doing our thing and thriving on on the choices that we're making and we have compassion, understanding, and respect for choices other people are making. And then, how do we bridge the gap?
2: You know? Mm. Thank you. I know our time is coming to its last bit. And I feel the need to ask you a doctor question <laughs> because we've all heard of it. And I've had wonderful authors and physicians on who've done whole shows about it. And people still contact me and say, I still don't get it. So to help us become a bit more enlightened about a really confusing topic, can you tell us a little bit in our last several minutes here about inflammation? What is it? Why are we hearing so much about it? And what can we do to keep it where it needs to be? Yeah, I'm so glad you
3: asked because that was one thing that I left out in the key, a key piece to why connection is so important. So inflammation is actually a really helpful thing in our system, right? When we get hurt, inflammation is what allows us to heal. It brings you know white blood cells and other healing properties to a wound and gives that wound what it needs to heal. But again, what has happened is rather than focusing on when we are wounded or when there is that that physical need for inflammation, what happens right now is because we're in that survival state fairly constantly for most of us, we build inflammation in our system And that's where we get that systemic inflammatory response. In survival mode, we build an inflammatory cascade. And that inflammatory cascade causes inflammation in our body. And that inflammation in our body leads to disease. And it can lead to numerous diseases. And that's why it's so important as a health concern and why we need to address it, not just in the way that we eat, but in the way that we're thinking, in the way that we're consciously living our lives.
2: I love that because this really is a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle that's bringing peace and harmony to the planet, saving the lives of animals, improving and probably lengthening the lives of humans, helping out the planet and then bringing us to the threshold of this truly holistic way of looking at life. It's not just the food, but the food is certainly something to celebrate. So last words after I share how people can find you. You know where to find the book. Everywhere books are sold wellness to wonderful. And there is also a website, which is We Heal dot health. Oh, what a beautiful affirmation. We heal dot health. And you can also find uh, Dr. Pulday and Dr. Letterman on Facebook at wellness to wonderful. In that case, the two is a two uh, and also wellness to wonderful on Instagram. And we will put all those things in the show notes at mainstreetvegan.com. So now after all that, Dr. Polday, famous last words.
3: I think it's a disservice to say it's too hard to take your health uh, to wellness and even beyond wellness to wonderful. And I think it really can be done even if it's done incrementally. And those increments have such a big impact. And I think we all deserve to live that wonderful life. I think it's attainable and I wish it for everyone.
2: So thanks so much, Dr. Alona Pulde. The book, Wellness to Wonderful, is indeed wonderful. <laughs> and it's just such a pleasure to be back doing Main Street Vegan. So if you know people who used to listen or you know people that you think might like it, just send them on over this way. And oh, I got an announcement. We're going to be doing something on TV, Unchained TV, Jane Velez Mitchell's wonderful streaming channel that you can watch on your phone or wherever you happen to be. We're going to be doing a Main Street vegan talk show that really gets into what makes some of our luminous luminary vegans who they are, what makes them tick. That'll be fun. I'll let you know when that gets started. Okay, everybody. Thank you so much. Wishing you well. Love your life. Love everybody's life. It's going to be a good one.
1: Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. Find out more about today's episode at MainStreetVegan.com where you can also learn how to take your vegan or plant-based outreach to the professional level through Main Street Vegan Academy. And join our inner circle at the Main Street Vegan Podcast listeners group on Facebook. See you next time! Do you want to deepen your connection to the Divine?